Child abduction is every parent's worst nightmare. To most people, there's no safer place for them than to be in their own home, right? So when you put your child to bed at night, shouldn't they be there the next morning? What happens when you walk into their room and look into their crib and they're not there? This is Colored Red, a podcast all about Colorado true crime. According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, abductions of children by strangers is rare. Each year, some 60,000 children are taken by strangers and released, and of those, only 115 of them are the stereotypical variety, where the stranger either kills the child or holds them for ransom. So this got me thinking, how many children are abducted right from their very own homes by strangers. And as it turns out, just about 18 children per year go missing from their homes against their will. 43% of missing infants are taken from hospitals and 43.6 of them are taken from their homes and 14.5% are taken from various other locations. Of the cases that were solved, 96% of the perpetrators were women. But how many cases were unsolved? From 1965 to 2018, approximately 5% of infant abduction cases went unsolved. And, And I can't find statistics on this part, but how many of those infants were kidnapped from within the bedroom that their parents were also sleeping in? It isn't that many, I don't think. And this is one of those cases. Bernice Abeda woke up at 6 a.m. on July 5, 1986, to find that the baby who had been sleeping in a crib only three feet away from where she was, was missing. Christopher was only eight months old. She ran to the other children's rooms and began screaming and tearing blankets off of their beds, searching for the baby. Life as they knew it would never be the same. The police arrived within minutes. Their investigation into the case would have them interviewing more than 500 people. There's a certain mystery around cases like this, and one investigator cited a similar case um, in Iowa where people will report seeing the child for years afterwards and having sightings of the child. And if you can imagine having your child kidnapped and then being tormented for years by visions of the child and leads, it's a haunting, haunting situation. The Abetas have six other children, and their youngest is Christopher. Four of those children were living at home at the time, including a daughter who has Down syndrome. That night, they left their front door unlocked so that one of their teenagers could get in after being out. A basement window was also unlocked. They're used to ignoring noises in their house because of their teenagers going in and out. And Christopher's parents had separated before his disappearance. This night, they were trying to reconcile their marriage. And 
The night that Christopher disappeared was actually the first night that his father had spent in the house since their separation. What ends up adding an entire new level of mystery to this case was the father whose name is Gil Abeta had been keeping up an affair with a woman named Emma Bradshaw. And I'm going to get into a little bit more about Emma Bradshaw before we go into some of the newer insights of this case. According to news sources about Bradshaw and public court documents, she has uh, prior incident reports of breaking and entering. She also has previous incidents of stalking and harassing a married man. Reportedly, he was trying to end the relationship, and according to court documents, she broke into the house of this man and took photos of his family that were on the wall, and she reportedly sat outside his children's school and also threatened his children. She has been admitted to mental health facilities in the 70s and 80s, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, but given the break in history, I think it's definitely relevant. Another interesting detail about Bradshaw is that at the time of the kidnapping, she was close personal friends with Larry Buckaloo, the former sheriff of Pueblo County. You can take with that from what close personal friends might mean. So it goes without saying that the family, at the very least, believes that she is the number one suspect in this case. The Facebook page for Christopher Abeta seems to suggest that several buildings connected to Bradshaw, two she worked at and one she met her husband at, all burned down from arson within a couple of years' time between 1973 and 1975. And now I'm one for laying on the conspiracy and really going down the rabbit hole, but the more accusations you layer on top of the initial accusation just distract from that and weaken it. So... So to me, unless there's significant proof that there's her involvement in arson somewhere, I'm not exactly buying this connection. But then again, to me, I guess it's understandable that a grieving family wants to go further down this and they want to find their missing son and brother and they're sort of finding what they can. But from court documents related to Emma Bradshaw suing the Abeta family for what she says are false accusations against her. Bradshaw reveals that the weekend after Christopher's disappearance, she went to New Mexico for reasons that are not included in the court document. She was interviewed by police after returning from New Mexico, and then she was interviewed a couple weeks later. And then, no one from the police department ever interviewed her again. Several news articles have the police department saying that while the case was a priority for them, they were understaffed at the time, and when Gil Abeta would bring them information, they wouldn't follow up on any of it. Despite the case being made the highest profile case in their department, case files went overlooked for weeks. Several sources claim that the Colorado Springs Police Department and the FBI were slow to respond to the case at all. But this isn't the only issue stemming from this department. According to KOAA News from 2006, evidence in the case was destroyed by the Colorado Springs Police. The discovery that the evidence was even missing at all wasn't made until a major crimes detective went looking for it decades later. 
To make matters even worse, an article in the Gazette Telegraph indicates that Donald Lloyd, the lead investigator in Christopher's case, was arrested for sexual assault on a child. At the time of Christopher's disappearance, every single family member passed a polygraph test, with the exception of the mother, Bernice Abeta. She says that she was interviewed for six hours after her first failure. Detectives accused her of smothering Christopher and throwing him into a lake. That lake was subsequently drained and no body was found. She took a second test administered by the FBI and she says that she could feel her heart racing when they asked her if she knew where Christopher was. A polygraph test measures heart rate and also something called the galvanic skin response. It's a measurable electric charge in the resistance of the skin and it normally responds to things like emotional stress. There are numerous cases where an innocent person doesn't pass a polygraph, and also numerous cases where a guilty person does pass a polygraph. So I personally don't put a ton of weight into them. They're not admissible in court, but detectives still use them to get an idea of a direction to take in a case. Bernice has also claimed that the failed test could be a result of withdrawal from tranquilizers that she was given. And I've read that they were prescribed to her to cope with the kidnapping and her emotions with it. Um, It's not that unusual for doctors to do this. And they prescribe things like that to someone who's going through a time of great grief and trauma. Unfortunately, in the case of Bernice Abeta, she feels like the police gave up early on finding a kidnapper and focused on her after she failed these tests. She and her husband have personally pursued the case since then and hired private investigators and followed leads. They have mailed thousands of photos of Christopher over the years. One such lead was the discovery that the person who signed Christopher's birth certificate had lost a baby and quit her job the day before his disappearance to move to Australia. That lead ended up not going anywhere. So for decades, this case reeled in the minds of the Abeta family. It took to Facebook and various blogs where the Abeta family continued to pursue their deep-held belief that Emma Bradshaw took Christopher. In particular, Denise Alves, who was 15 when Christopher was stolen from the room next to her, has spearheaded the cause and desperately seeks answers. She has continued with the cause even after Bernice Abeta died last year from gallbladder cancer. As I stated earlier, at one point, Emma Bradshaw sued the Abetas for defamation, and she won. And while this drama plays out on Facebook and everywhere else, there still aren't any answers about what happened to Christopher. But hope still exists. In 2017, police made a statement that they had identified a person of interest in the case, but they never released a name or filed charges. Approximately 18 months ago, a social worker tracked down a man named Christopher and sent his photo and a tip to the Colorado Springs police, who seemed to have not done much follow-up. A reporter from KKTV tracked down the man who called Colorado Springs Police Department cold case phone number only to find that it was no longer in service. After calling four different numbers, he finally reached a dispatcher, who then connected him to his local police and hung up. His local police took his DNA and fingerprints to submit to the Colorado Springs Police Department and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. 
The Betas found out later that this same social worker contacted police about this same individual when he was just three years old, suspecting that he was Christopher Abeta, and nothing was ever heard about it again. This year, in June, a new age-progressed photo was released that the family hoped would drum up new leads. And then, on August 31st, 2018, a man came forward asserting that he might be Christopher Abeta. He brought with him a photo of him as a toddler that looks shockingly like Christopher, and he also brought the suspicious knowledge that his parents don't have any baby photos of him younger than the age Christopher was when he went missing. The man's name has not been released, but his DNA was taken to compare to the Abeta family. But this actually isn't anything new. This is the fourth time that they have collected DNA from individuals claiming to be Christopher. And I will say that the picture of this man as a toddler compared to Christopher is compelling. And I'll be posting that on my Instagram page at Colored Red Podcast. I hold out hope for the Abeta family that this case can be resolved or Christopher can be found. And with that, I'd like to thank user Fancy Hairbrush on Reddit for making a write-up about this case. I do browse unresolved mysteries from time to time, and this case immediately spoke to me. If you have any information about this case, please contact 1-800-THE-LOST or contact the Colorado Springs Police Department at 719-444-7000. Until next time.